Welcome to Career View. This is the podcast where we ask questions you want to know when it comes to pursuing a career path. I'm your host, Nirija Shamal, and each episode, I will ask questions on behalf of students across the country from secondary schools and universities, what they want to know when it comes to pursuing their dream job. For today's episode, I'll be asking top questions that have been submitted by students on our CareerView website who are interested in a career in finance. Joining me today is headhunter Gabrielle Perchich, who recruits top professionals from private banking to high finance services. Now, Gabrielle has achieved a lot of success in the finance industry at a very young age, owing much of her accomplishments during her time at university and the incredible influence she's had from her family. She has a lot of great advice to share. So, let's hear from her. So happy to have you here, by the way. How's everything going? Happy to be here. Yeah. Um, everything's going great. I've just rolled off the back of like two weeks worth of solid partying. So <laughs> thrilled and I'm ready to work. Excellent. Excellent. I'm really happy to hear that because we got some great questions for you today. Really important, interesting questions asked by students when it comes to pursuing a pathway of finance. But before I want to jump into that, I have a question to ask you and that is why? Why finance? Why did you pursue this? What was the thinking? And explain to us a little bit about that whole journey when you started from school and thinking that this was going to be your pathway. So I'm now a recruiter. I recruit sales teams for fund managers. Um, But before that, I was in private banking on a graduate program. So that's what I did when I sort of came out of uni. And my idea with private banking, which is essentially managing money for very wealthy clients and families, my decision behind that was my mother has She's been a surgeon for years and years and years. So with that kind of career comes a lot of cash flow. However, I think her knowledge of investing wasn't as strong as it could have been. And so I've seen that even though she's she's fifty she's in her fifties and she's still working because she didn't invest a lot of that money even in property stocks or anything like that. And I saw what if I could help another family that was like us and mm. maybe my mother wouldn't be working as hard as she is at her age now. If I could help another family that would that was like us, then I guess that would have been a worthwhile career. Yeah, fantastic. (laughs) I'm sounding like I'm like (laughs) struggling in the hood. Like I'm middle class, man. I had a white picket friend's upbringing, but like we could have had a boat by now. Could have had a boat (laughs) by now. And you know, look, realizing that potential. (laughs) Righto every weekend, catching craze. Retired literally by the age of 30. (laughs) On a jet ski. So look, you've identified what it could have been and I'm sure now you're going to get there even quicker with what you do. So, and I, that's why what, I, we've got some great questions for you. And first question, jumping into our top questions asked by students is, what career options did you have after completing your finance studies yep. in university? Yeah, so with a finance or economics degree, you can you can do a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, consulting is um, quite a common pathway for some people, but I'd say the most common job that I heard about in uni was investment banking. So a lot of the people that took finance really seriously, they had aspirations of becoming investment bankers. And from then, some of them were planning on eventually ending up in private equity. I think in terms of broader career options from there, you have asset management, which we call the buy side. So those would be the people that look at certain companies and determine whether or not they should, companies should invest in them. 
You have private banking, which is what I did, or wealth management, which is essentially managing money for very wealthy people or organisations, non-for-profits, so on and so forth. Investment banking is very deals focused. I don't know mm. too much about what that entails, mm. but I know that you have sort of different subsections of like M&A, equity capital markets, right. so on and so forth. Okay. You can also go into one of the big four as yeah. well, the yeah. accounting firms. So they have consulting divisions, but they'll pretty much take anyone with any degree. Yeah. So not- even within those, it's just so many different options. Right. So, yeah. So, so knowing things. that there's so many options, how did you navigate through that? What did you do to really set, okay, this is what I want. Was there something that influenced you or what was the kind of decision making process there? I probably didn't do as much research as I should have. Okay. So when you have a commerce degree, you're expected to get an internship before you then apply for your graduate position. So I did a couple of different internships, which was pretty much anyone that I could get because my web at that point was not the greatest, if I'm going to be honest. So I did pretty much any internship I could get my hands on, which Mm. was firstly technology consulting at EY, which is completely different to what I'm doing now. That was basically just... IT tickets tickets. from from memory. The second internship that I did was a corporate finance one at a very, very boutique accounting firm. So it didn't even end up being corporate finance at all. It was like, I want you to write a marketing plan for this tow truck company. So yeah, so sort of coming out after that, I really had no idea, to be honest. And so I started, I had to apply. I didn't want the grad jobs that any of my internships would have given me. So then I had to go outside and figure out something else for my own. And then I started applying to Deloitte, um, Macquarie Bank, Citibank, and all the big banks basically thinking that because I wanted a career in finance. Mm. And then I eventually found Macquarie Bank and I applied for their wealth management sort of pathway division. I guess my thought process behind that was because my mum, she's a surgeon, Mm. so she's had a lot of cash flow coming in throughout her life, but she didn't actually invest that properly at all. Mm. In fact, she still hasn't paid off her mortgage. Sorry, Mm. mum, kind of exposing (laughs) you here. But And she just bought her first investment property last year. So she really didn't invest much of that at all. So if I can help other families sort of, you know, make the most of their finances and she's still working 12 hour days mm. at like in her fifties. Yeah. And I thought if I can help another family or multiple families sort of navigate financial markets and have a better outcome for them, then I think that would be a worthwhile career. That's, so Yeah, that's incredible. You know, coming back to your family, looking at your mom, which yeah. I can tell you respect and more importantly, being able to recognize something or how you could do something different and change that. So I think it's important for students to know is that to do your homework and to research as much as you can if you can yeah absolutely um, and to get prepared for that because you might find yourself doing some odd jobs not saying that's anything wrong however being more prepared and trying to understand what you want to do definitely helps probably would have been a better approach to go about it I think if I was to do it again this is a tip given um, by one of my good friends Connor he goes I would have reached out to as many people on LinkedIn as possible Mm. I think this probably is specific to those looking to go into a sort of corporate career or one that would require LinkedIn as opposed to sort of surgery or medical or anything like that but he said I would have reached out to as many people on LinkedIn as possible. Just ask them to catch up for a coffee when you're a uni student. People are really willing to help you out. And so having those conversations with people that are actually working in those jobs will be a much better use of your time than just trying to like complete a whole internship to figure out if that's what you want to do. Absolutely. So I love it, Gabby. (laughs) Moving on to our next question that we have for you asked by students is, was it difficult to find a job after university? 
I would say yes, to be honest. It was a very stressful process. Mm. Actually, come to think of it, I don't think I've ever been as stressed as I was trying to find an internship or a grad job, especially not knowing what you want to do. Was it difficult? I think the process is the process is extremely structured. And when you're coming out and trying to apply for a grad job, you're up against kids who have had connections, you know, have, have got the, the prime spot of their internships. And so when you're in such a large pool of people, right, it's hard for those hiring managers to sort of filter through those resumes especially when your experience is purely what you've done throughout uni Mm. and you'll find that it's a lot of people that have that didn't even know that they needed to get an internship and so they've come out of their uni when they're just enjoying a partying and just you know living it up and they've kind of gotten to the end of it and gone oh crap like I need to find a grad job now and it has been difficult for them and Mm. I know friends that are still one two years out of uni that are still struggling Mm. but I guess I was sort of lucky in that I knew that I needed to have some experience under my belt so to speak before I did go and apply for those grad jobs and even then it was still such a process like rejection after rejection after rejection and like I think it's a combination of sort of luck but also making your own luck and then yeah just being really intentional about why you want to do something I think passion is so is often sometimes times more important than the experience Absolutely. in that case yeah really appreciate that honesty and sometimes it is a bit of luck but having a really 100%. clear focus <laughs> and a bit of passion it, it, having the passion is very important being able to put yourself out there and really go for it so great interesting to know is it, it was difficult for yourself how would you I think you mentioned the fact that you would definitely reach out to more people within the network of young professionals or professionals out there is there anything else you would advise students when they're applying for jobs in this day and age for a, a role in the finance world Well, definitely get someone to proofread your resume because as a recruiter, I've seen, even at the top level, I have seen some shockingly formatted resumes. Mm. Like I'm talking like borderline Comic Sans. Wow. No way. Not Comic Sans. Like not Comic Sans, but like a font that like, I was like, is this Comic Sans? Is this real? I did a double take, right? (laughs) Like it's, yeah. So just get someone to format your resume. Use tools like Canva. You can even use like, I think chat GPT. If you go just write me a prompt on XYZ, it'll, Mm. it'll make your, it'll be so much easier to put together something with like with structured sentences that sounds professional right and elegant and yeah formatting content and just get someone to look over it before you do fantastic great letters same thing definitely great advice for our listeners out there moving on to our next question that we have for you asked by students is what is your favorite part of the job okay so just a little bit of background. So the area that I recruit for, I recruit distribution teams for fund managers. So for those people that don't know, fund managers are people that manage money on behalf of either people or institutions. So if you're a fund manager and you need to bring in new investors to your fund, there are three main channels that you can do that from. So the first is retail investors. There's people like you and me who have like maybe a stereotypical amount of money would go see a regular financial advisor in the suburbs. Then you have your wholesale investors, which are your wealthy clients. So your high net worth families, ones that live in Claremont and Dalkeith and all that. And also you have family offices and non-for-profits as well that fall under that category. And then you have institutional investors, which are large companies with access to a lot of money that they can put towards investments in funds and stocks etc yeah so i recruit sales teams Mm. for the on behalf of those fund managers that Mm. will go out through those three channels Mm. and bring in investors and which means money into the fund okay excellent and what do you love about that what what about that activity the people the people people that i meet are just i meet so many people in the aussie finance scene like 
way many many more than I would have ever in Jeez. private banking yeah. so I pretty much see everything that goes on I see mergers and acquisitions teams joining other teams people leaving key figures and just give us an example just yep. a view what would that look like and what's something that you found that was a very interesting example in this field that you've done an interesting example without naming names and like what was it about that interaction and job or part of yep. the job that you did that you were like this is this is what I love doing yeah so I think it was about a couple months into the job just through I don't know hustling cold emailing cold Cold calling leveraging my networks at my previous employer but I was sitting at sitting there having a coffee with the CEO of this major funds management business in Australia one that I'm actually an investor in I was completely comfortable and I did double take and I was like am I really here right now like I've just moved to Sydney and in probably six to eight months like this is where I am this is the kind of people that I'm talking to and I'm able to actually add value to that conversation as well and help them out whether they're growing their business or looking for another opportunity themselves I just thought this is absolutely incredible fantastic I love that I really do it's sometimes you're pinching yourself sometimes when you look at where you are how far you've come and it's great it's great to know that you've really come (laughs) a long way Gabby next question that we have for you what is the culture like in your company? So my company now is three people, including myself. I have a very close relationship with my boss. It's compared to my previous employer, which was an ASX 100, like massive, massive bank, yeah. um, massive Aussie bank with you know, thousands and thousands of people. The culture is so, so different when you're only working with two others. Yeah. Like you really get to know them as, as people rather than I guess people's work selves that they bring to work. Like I know about my boss's marriage and his kids and everything like that. And on the flip side, he knows a lot about me and I really feel like I can be myself and ask any questions and the level of mentorship as well that you get in a small company. I can just ask anything like nothing is off the table and they're like always available because it's literally only me and one other guy that they have to sort of look after, but lead. Very close. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And and, and is that a better working environment for you? For me personally, 100%. 100 percent like how much of it is it a difference chalk and cheese okay chalk and cheese like in a in a massive organization you have layers and layers and layers of teams and managers and stuff like that and the way that you move up in those organizations is to get promoted so I don't know if everybody is out to get promoted. I'm sure if there are people that are just happy where they are, but a lot of the people in those organisations are just trying to sort of climb that corporate ladder and get promotion after promotion. And so sometimes I think that can breed a little bit of toxicity. And I think when you form relationships in those kind of organisations, there is a real emphasis on you should bring your work self to work and you should leave your personal life at home. Like even the relationships of people, the closest people that I was, I guess, friends with in, in that company, our friendships have just blossomed since I left because there's no longer that sort of barrier right that we're all sort of not neck and neck against each other but there is a professional barrier I'd say it's so hard to know what that world is like between (laughs) small and big in terms of a working environment and it's only until you've been there 100% but you got to do it you have to to do it it and I feel like it's important if you get the opportunity is to experience both sides to see what it's like just so you can get an understanding but it's really once again it's fascinating to hear your perspective and what you prefer coming out of this whole experience 100% but I think it's important to recognize as well that starting off at a big company gave me so much opportunity in Mm. terms of the networks in terms of the training programs and and the the amount that they invest in your professional sort of development but there's also it's also important to recognize that there will be people that do thrive in those kinds of environments and they do love the sort of chase and the competition and that that sort of vibe as opposed to sort of being really autonomous and working in a smaller smaller place where you're given more freedom but maybe maybe not as much support so yeah great insights there Gabby moving on to our next question 
asked by students is, are you able to sustain a good work-life balance? Yes, and I think that's a combination of things. So number one, my job is extremely flexible Mm. with where I work, when I work, how I choose to go about my job as well. So I'm given a lot of freedom and flexibility through that. Mm. But also to manage my own time, I just make sure that I spend at least some time every day exercising, whether that's even just going from a walk to like hitting a heavy leg session at the gym. And then I also make sure to spend quality time with friends. I actually don't have a lot of friends at the moment in Sydney, having just moved there. So that's why I'm I'm trying to sort of max maximize my time spent with my friends and my family when I am here back in Perth but it does mean that I can sort of stay focused when I am over east which is pretty good. Excellent excellent and how did you build that structure what was your kind of approach how did you develop that and was that ever an issue with you working and starting off as a young professional? No I think I've always been able to manage my time pretty effectively Mm. Um, so with my current job it's quite different to when I was at my previous employer because it was so like like everything on your computer was monitored you had to you had to log on from x hour to x hour every single day so in a way that sort of makes it a little bit easier to structure your days because you know there's certain windows of time where you're definitely work and outside of that you are free to use that time as you please please, whereas in my current job I will pretty much answer emails sort of around the clock um, and work around the clock like I can like how I use my time is completely up to me so whether Mm. I want to wake up really early and smash out work in the day or whether I want to do it at night like it just depends on me and how I want to organize that and I just I value that a lot great to get your perspective on that moving on to the next question is the pay what you expected in this role So as a recruiter, I currently have a base salary of 100K and then I have a – that salary determines my quarterly threshold, which I believe is 62.5. So every three months I have to bill – so I have to earn the company in the fees that I charge companies I deal with. I have to bill 62.5 grand per three months. Once I hit that quarterly threshold – Everything I bill above that earns me 40% commission. Wow. Okay. So what does that mean in terms of a good year and doing what you're doing? So I've only been in the job for around three months now. Um, A good year, I'm sort of aiming to bill 500,000. And then beyond that, I guess my end goal would be a million, which would class me as a great recruiter. Great recruiter. Excellent. Excellent. That's like the goal in the industry to be one mil. To be one mil. And then, and how far can it go by the way? How much you earn Mm. is purely dependent on how much you put in right Mm. so with the base salary it just is essentially like a loan to myself because Mm. if I was to choose a lower base then my quarterly threshold would be lower Mm. right Mm. because it's essentially like you're paying back the money that you've earned in salary and then above that you sort of earn commission interesting for students to get that perspective on what the pay structure could look like because it's just so many different ways of doing it once you're actually working in the field yeah I think it's so important to be transparent on pay as well like Mm. as a recruiter I see salaries everywhere like I see when people are getting gypped I see Mm. like it's it's so interesting as well and I think it's such an important conversation because especially if you're in a large organization I was always so open about how much I was earning because I feel like if someone was if, if someone could use that information to determine whether they were being undervalued or not then they could use that to negotiate for a pay rise and maybe not explicitly name me but you know just a benchmark because I'm really a true believer and people should be earning I guess what they are worth in the company having that pay to your standard yeah. is very important yeah, yeah 100% excellent moving on to our next question did you have any backup options <laughs> <laughs> backup options 
living at home, working minimum wage until I figure out something else. Like, I don't know. And like, was genuinely there, no backup. Was there any other career path that you would have considered or doing? No, nah, I just, I was like, you know what? This is my best. When I went, when I moved into private banking, I was like, this is my best guess. Mm. The career that's going to make me happy and fulfilled and so on and so forth. And so I did that. And the fact that it didn't work out, I'm just going to go from there and explore other options. I'm not going to have like, oh, this is plan B and C and D and E and mm. like, no, you just got to go for something. And if you figure out that you don't like it, big deal. Move on to something else. Just try things. But the fact that you had just no backup option, I'm just going to go for it. And that yeah. was your mentality and it's worked out well. Okay. But for our <laughs> listeners out there, here's proof. It works. <laughs> Next question that we have is, what is the most rewarding aspect of your job? Getting that money. <laughs> <laughs> there um, it is. <laughs> no, um... I think that's okay to be motivated by money, to be honest, because look, at the end of the day, like if I do my job well, mm. then I get paid more. Mm. Like it's a direct kind of correlation there. But if I just scrap around, right, and just chase the dollar, chase the dollar, chase immediate short wins, that's not going to pay off for me in the long term, right? If I have a thorough process in how I interview people and how I move through that process and how I keep in contact with people and stuff, then that's eventually going to make me a better recruiter, which is better for my brand, my reputation. That's going to have, that's just going to pay dividends in the long run. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. I, other, the other rewarding part I'd say though is you can, you do have the opportunity to genuinely help people make advancements in their career right you can help them negotiate for better salaries or you can you know, give them advice and stuff like that I have a lot of um younger people as well that will come to me and say look I have no idea what I want to do I'm like look this isn't technically within the sort of confines of my job but like I'm yeah. happy to sit down with you or have a call for like 10 minutes and helping people as well is a pretty it's, it's a huge aspect. huge aspect of the job but like you as you said getting that money and being <laughs> and being honest about it and this is the thing we all have different intentions as to why we do what we do and a big aspect of it is just being open and honest of whatever that is just say it as it is this is what I want to do this is who I am yeah but I think if I was like knowing that I am that money is a big factor for me yeah. I think I would have been moving into private banking for the wrong reasons because at the end of the day in that career it's all about your clients and how to make your clients money it shouldn't be about how much money can I get out of this job? Even though you can do really well, yeah. I think your priority should be your clients. Yeah. And the fact that I'm, I probably wouldn't would have prioritized myself first and would been thinking about myself first. I think that would, yeah, maybe I've made the right move. Excellent. I've definitely made the right move. Fantastic, <laughs> fantastic. Last question. Last question that we have for you is: if you had a chance to go back in time during university or school, would you do anything differently? Considering where I am now, no, because whether for one reason or the other, I've ended up doing something that I'm being in a position where I'm extremely happy. I'm in a city that I love. I'm in a job that I love. I love my boss. I love my company. But I think in terms of advice giving, I definitely would have, I'd say to people who are in university would maybe just put a lot, put a bit more thought into mm. Just do, do your research, do your research, like reach out to people, have conversations. Don't be afraid to have those conversations, like get out of your comfort zone because like you're going to have to give presentations or talks or um, similar. There was going to be so many times in your, in your professional career where you will have to step outside of your comfort zone. And so if you can sort of break that ice by reaching out to, to unfamiliar people and putting yourself out there, then I think that would be a really worthwhile use of your time in uni. Great advice. And Gabby, that wraps up all our questions that we have for you today. It's been really a pleasure. 
future. And for our listeners out there who have more questions for Gabby and that do not feature on our list today and would like to connect with her, just visit our website, careerview.com.au. This is where you find Gabby's profile and you can send her more questions, which she has advocated. Please send questions and spill. Come through. Please reach out to people. (laughs) I'm all ears. (laughs) There it is. And with every episode, please don't forget to submit the questions that you want to know, especially to young professionals who've been there and they've done that and can share their story. Gabby, cannot thank you enough it's been an absolute pleasure it's been a lot of fun thanks just for having to, me to have I've you here fun. yeah i just want to say one last thing yeah. uh, students out there who may be just finishing school or looking at pursuing higher education studies whether it be uni or whatnot what advice would you give to them i think there's a lot of careers these days that you don't even have to go to uni i think marketing is one of those like marketing courses in uni but uni are probably very outdated with digital marketing and how, you know, chat GPT and, and TikTok and social media and stuff like that. I think those kind of courses can be really outdated. And so there's a lot of things that you really won't need a higher education for nowadays. However, finance and economics, I think those two are definitely one that you will need to sort of get that, get that paper and that cap and gown for. But in terms of what you like figuring out what you want to do, just talk to people, talk to people in those careers, reach out, call people, use your network, mm. right? Reach out to people. There's a, so you can have access to so many different people online through LinkedIn yeah. or social media and often like just introduce yourself, ask them a few questions. I'm sure they'd be happy to talk Pe- to you. Awesome. It's been so much fun. Great having you here, Gabby. You too. Thanks for having me.